0: It's the On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Microsoft Surface. Now more than ever, you need a laptop that can be as adaptable as you are. Introducing Microsoft Surface Laptop Go. Finally, a premium laptop at an affordable price. Starting at just $549, its light, thin design, vibrant touchscreen, powerful processor, and built in HD camera and mic turns any room in your home into a classroom, office, or study hall. Available in three amazing colors the whole family will love. Visit Surface.com/slash laptop go for more details. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.
2: You are locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. Now I see the finish line as the Warriors win the the series, the first round against the Portland Trailblazers with an absolutely ridiculous 128-103 performance, including a 45-22 first quarter. I knew before the game was over who I wanted to talk with, and we started recording before the game was over, and that is with Andy Liu of Warriors World and the Light Years Podcast, longtime friend of mine on Press Row, and so we go through... This game, kind of the series a little bit in general, and also a a short preview of who he wants to see and everything like that for the next round, for whether it's the Clippers or the Jazz. So, fun podcast, runs about 25 minutes. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thanks, man. What is number two? Paris number two? You you messed it up by having me on, but I appreciate it.
2: I, I figured... That this would be a good one to have you on. We're actually recording this before the end of the game. Not too much before the end of the game, but an absolutely dominating performance by the Warriors. You could say start to finish, but it really was mostly at the start.
0: Yeah, they put this away. You can kind of. This is something though I haven't, or we haven't seen maybe too much, just the way. The way they're closing this out, they knew it was obviously a three-o lead. They knew they could put this away. They knew if they could put this away, they'll get a week off, right? I think it's next Saturday. Oh, yes, they can start Sunday. Um, Sunday's um, the earliest. Sunday earliest, yeah. So, so they knew, like they could get a week off for us doing this. So that type of killer instinct, that type of defense, really was what I was amazed of. Um, not so much the shooting. We know that they can shoot. Uh, we know that Steph was going to get hot sometime. But that defense that you were getting from the two rim protectors, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, um, was something that it looks like if they lock in, is going to be something you can't
2: score against. Well, yeah, I mean, it was a 45-22 to 22 first, ha- first quarter, and I don't even think it was that close for the most part. I mean, Portland got a couple of nice shots, and you're right. Like I'm sure a lot of people will focus on the 45, because that is a ridiculous number, but They held that Portland defense. They really shut them down. I mean, their starting five in that first quarter made a total of three shots. They were three of 14 from the field. And remember, Lillard and McCollum did a great job on the Warriors in the first three games of the series, or two of them.
0: And, And the other part is that not only can you not really get to the, or not only can you not finish at the rim, given, you know, what we all find, maybe they weren't going to be able to protect that, but you also, they're also running guys off the line and they can't get into the state either. For, for this team, Portland only has two playmakers. So you've got a couple guys kind of standing around, but it was almost hard to watch to a point like it, it, they were able to shut off all passing lanes, all, you know, dribble drives uh, from every angle where Lillard and McCollum was trying to get to in the first quarter, um, and if you kind of look ahead, I'm, and, and you know I have been, for the who the Warriors are going to play against, neither the Clippers or the Jazz are going to be able to to play that type of offense. And if we go further than that, if the Spurs advance, they aren't going to be able to either, right? So that's something that's like, uh, are we going to if they're able to lock in like this every game? Presumably, who can actually score on the beyond? You know, once we get to the NBA Finals, or I guess Houston maybe.
2: Houston would have a shot at it, but I mean, Houston had has struggled at times with. Sit with Oklahoma City's defense. I mean, Oklahoma City has a strong defense, especially with their starting five, but the Warriors are also really dangerous because they have so many configurations that work well. I mean, we've seen JaVale McGee have an absolutely huge series. Tonight was the aberration in that mostly because the game was basically over when he came in for the first time, but then... The Durant, Green, at uh, Power Forward and Center lineups, they've, they've done a pretty good job, for the most part, defending with Zaza Pachuli on the floor, though I think he's going to have trouble in certain later series. And, you know, Iguodala in the lineup, they did well with McCaw, so there are a lot of different things they can do that'll still work.
0: And my, the one I have been most impressed about beyond JaVale, maybe we'll go to him, is McCaw. Um, the way that he's been able to, his length is kind of sneaky for me, The way that he's six seven, and he also has that type of anticipation that you want to see from a defender. That I think for me, either you don't, either you have it or you don't. Like Draymond, you can tell right away he had it, Um, and I think you can tell with McCaw, he has that type of defensive awareness and anticipation that apparently in the playoff series as a rookie, he's able to provide. Um, which is insane. Uh, he's, I, I don't think he's going to play much now through the rest of the series, rest of the postseason, uh, with Livingston back uh, and Matt Barnes. But like that that's something that maybe next year is going to be crazy to watch, just the fact that this team is going to be able to sustain that type of uh, perimeter defense. Um, and then they have that back end with KD and Dre like they have
2: intelligence and instincts are incredibly important defensively and under, underrated because when you look at some of the players who improve the most defensively and some of those who do not improve intelligence and aptitude are really those defining characteristics i mean whether you want to go with andre guadala or when back when he was in philly and denver and then to the warriors if you want to go with Marcus a even i thought mark you know he's he's a very aware guy but then you know there there are plenty of good athletes that just never get better on defense either through through effort or by not really having that part of the game. And you can improve it. You know, you get more reps and you can gain experience. But McCaw has a really good foundation. And part of what is so intriguing for me with him is that I don't know at this point, we, we still need a lot more data in terms of where what he could be, you know, if he was on a bad team. But the Warriors need something very specific from guys that are not their stars. And McCaw looks like he's going to fit into that role very well.
0: I thought you were trying to segue into JaVale McGee that, uh, that we're talking about guys that, you know, it maybe a little bit harder to get better at um, on defense, but um, he's someone that I foresee having an impact in, you know, round two and maybe round three if they play Houston, maybe not if it's the Spurs. But that's another one where it's – I've, I've jokingly said about how good he's been, but in this series, like throughout the regular season, but in this series uh, to the point where – you can kind of rely on him to create some type of spark um, when the team isn't playing well as I off on the floor, right? Because they, to be like, to be honest, they haven't really played well with him on. So Javale is someone that at this point you can rely, rely on offensively, given that he can always finish, but also on defense, the way he was jumping out on guards, the way he was hedging, uh, doubling, and even trapping on his own free will, it seems. So that is fascinating. Um A lot of these things are kind of like the cherry on top because, you know, a lot of times the Warriors are going to win anyway regardless of what McCall, McGee, and some of these role players give them. But um, also a really, really nice X-factor to see play well in the postseason.
2: When... The playoffs started, there was this big question. I'd framed it over the season. You and I had talked about this with the idea of kind of, the Warriors have 40 minutes outside of their stars, and then Iguodala and Livingston assuming normal minutes for both those guys and being healthy. And so there was this question about, you know, if Zaza doesn't work, who's it going to be? And so Matt Barnes had played well in Durant's absence. Maybe he was going to get some. David West was deserving of at least some of those 40 minutes. But what happened is McGee and... McCaw said, "Okay, we can be a part of that mix, too. And the other thing is, as the playoffs move on, depending on how Kevin Durant recovers from his injury, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too. But what the Warriors have is they have a deeper set of options. They're not going to need all of those guys every night. But if one or two of them step up, it makes them even more potent
0: yeah and and I and that's like i don't you don't you wouldn't even think that they would need them at this point. That's getting for me as someone that as as you well know a huge warriors homer i guess um think they should just be able to sweep the next two rounds easily right all the way to the finals. Um, so yeah, I mean, if the, whatever the supporting staff can give them, um, that's fine. But it's gotten to play, and we saw KD today, who looked fine with his injury. Uh, someone who kind of treated this as a tune-up game, which is a little ridiculous. Like you know, give him a couple minutes to shake off that rust, but then now we've got another week off, right? The Warriors do. Um, but it's gotten to the point where these guys, once Mike Brown is going to be able to to give more minutes to the starters and have the rot- rotation, pl- uh, the role players play less that these guys are just going to be able to coast, uh, I think, in my opinion, through the, re- through the next two rounds, um, which is, the more I think about it and the more it's starting to happen, um, is pretty ridiculous uh, uh, in the way that the Warriors not only out-talent these teams, but also play well while doing it. Because um, in the beginning of the regular season and maybe throughout, I felt that they just out-talented teams instead of actually playing well schematically. Um, but they're now heading to the point where actually playing well, along with the fact that they're just a lot more talented um, than these o- than these o- these other teams. So that's I mean that's fun to watch, right? A people points,
2: I don't think we've seen this team ceiling yet. That first quarter is probably the closest that we've come, and maybe you could argue that that is. I mean, considering how talented Portland is, and you know they've they even without Yusuf Nurkic, they've they've been a very capable team during these playoffs, and the Warriors just have that gear that they just haven't needed. And I've talked for months about the idea that they knew that, their success was going to be defined in the playoffs and what was so remarkable was that they really only flipped that switch a couple of times during the series as as well as Portland played and there were you know I'd be I would say Portland outplayed the Warriors for at least 30 minutes of game three and the first half of I believe that was game one but they still are going to come out of this with no wins and I, I feel sympathy for them but at the same point that's just part of the story
0: I, I that's a that's a fun point that I've argued several times, uh, with people is that the Warriors haven't hit their ceiling at all this season. This is they might win the title. I think they will. Um, but I think they won't play up to who they can uh can be this year, regardless of the fact that they can win or not. I don't think that I think you agree with me is that I don't think they'll play at their peak until next year. Um kinda like LeBron Wade, though not you know, they're not maybe not gonna lose in the first year and they're not gonna struggle like that because they're too good and their their personalities and playing style fit too well together. Um but like you can tell that Steph and K D when they come in together without Draymond and Clay uh today at the uh second port or the second quarter there, they struggle together playing together. Both uh defensively K D by himself and And with Steph manning the offense, kind of with Katie standing in the corner, like that type of thing, right? Like, it's not too big of a deal, but it's something that you can tell is still not familiar. The Warriors aren't as comfortable with that type of uh, scenario yet, um, and I think once that happens, once KD is able to come up and play against second units with the bench or whatever it may be, um, that's something that's going to hit him to the next level and to that peak, if you will. Um, and that's going to be even more fun to watch, which I don't think is going to happen until next year, or maybe next postseason even.
2: Well, yeah, I, I've talked before. Yeah, I, I think one of the ways of putting this is, if you remember at the end of the 2015 championship season, the players talked about how much how much more they could do, how much better they could, they could get because they were adjusting to Steve Kerr and his system and everything like yeah. that. This is basically half of a new team and in a way that is very fundamentally important with Durant. The other guys are going to change. They're going to come and go. It depends on what Durant does and a million other things. But they are going through this and it takes a long time to optimize and to adjust and it's true on the offensive end and it's also true in the defensive end because remember last year Kevin Durant didn't really activate on defense until the playoffs yeah. he was he was, he had some moments in the regular season but he didn't kick in there I don't blame him for that I think more more players on truly elite teams can pull that off but we're going to probably see more of the Warriors really high-end ceiling defense now than we have in the regular season and they were still quite good
0: and and let's not forget Durant erased Draymond uh (laughs) in that series last year and Um,
2: Sean Livingston on one of the best blocks I've ever seen
0: yeah that one was a double jump yeah that was it it was something that yeah we've never seen Durant do something like that before um and and it's also crazy that like I I think that the I think Livingston could have played tonight right if they needed to um, and KD could have played Game Three um, if there was maybe a one-one series, and the Warriors were down two uh, or oh 02 right? So they're even. We're getting to the point that hey, KD's you know last year uh, last year was toasting before he activated on defense, and then the Warriors have essentially been able to rest slash n- have guys nurse their injuries in a postseason series to the point that hey, we're going to sweep them, uh, and then they're going to go ahead or not? We are going to sweep them, but they're going to sweep them. Uh, then they're going to go ahead and take a week off as well. I think, it's, I think this is best-case scenario outside of, obviously, uh, their head coach um, having his back, back pain and Steve Kerr uh, maybe not coaching the rest of the postseason. But this has worked out, um, and I was listening to your uh, uh, postseason, rest of the postseason preview yesterday or today. Uh, this has worked out about as well for the Warriors as you can possibly imagine, uh, given what has happened so far in the last
2: month. They're also, as you said, going to get a lot of rest. I mean, there, there still is a lot of time for this to change, but they're a more talented team than their opponents, and I would say there's a bigger gap than there was last year, because last year's team, you know, they won 73 games, but a lot of that was, was effort and execution rather than talent. I mean, they were an incredibly good team. I would say this year's team is meaningfully better at full strength than last year's team, and... Overall, I would say that the best got worse. Like, yeah, it, I, I mean, I don't think any team in the in the West is as good as Oklahoma City was in last year's playoffs, and Cleveland isn't as good as they were last year. So you have all those things running together. That in no way makes it a guarantee, but it is worth considering.
0: <laughs> I respect the hedge, Denny. Um, you you know
2: me. It's how I do it.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you're paid to. I, I am not, however. I can confidently say that barring some type of health issue, and maybe even just plays with a 80% cap, uh, that the Warriors are going to win. There, there's just really no way um, this defense, because they're playing defense at a level that's the best in the league, and then you're going to play that type of offense as long as you go with it. Like, it really, they have that type of two-way personality that just makes it impossible. And from uh, uh, maybe uh, other viewership perspective, that this is something that is hard to watch because it makes for the rest of the NBA boring, to which I say, go watch baseball, go watch hockey, go watch something else. Because um, this is not something that's going to stop uh, this year or next, uh, or maybe the year after that. Um, so this is fascinating to watch for Warriors fans, uh, and for those that are listening uh, to this <laughs> podcast.
2: <laughs> We've gone 15 minutes and haven't talked about Stephen Curry throwing up 37 points in three quarters. I, I mean, this was this was the closest <laughs> thing to twenty fifteen sixteen Stephen Curry I think that I've seen since last season 2015,
0: 20, Oh, got it yeah um the way that like it, for me it feels like he was robbed last year to to a point right he had some great performances he had that one in the Western Conference Finals um in Game Seven as well but I. felt like he was robbed a little bit with that injury just just you can tell that he had that great unanimous MVP season and he wanted to kind of finish that off and cap that off with a great postseason run in a title right but he he never really had those type of moments last year um and obviously he was hindered and he couldn't really move the same way um and the first three games in series, he didn't shoot well either despite the fact in game three he had 30 plus He, he missed a lot of open shots so Um, I'm thinking he he wants to um, obviously avenge and take care of what was missing last year and second part is just kind of show that he can play in the postseason because there is a part, there is a faction of fans that do say that, hey, Steph doesn't score the same way he does in the postseason so he's not really necessarily a postseason performer. There's uh, kind of different ways you can kind of look at that, but um at the end of the day i think it's something that he he does want to to have those postseason moments and to have those steps to show that you know he can also play in the postseason rather than just kind of be a, a regular season player mvp tie, if you will
2: yeah i think that's fair and curry is aware of his reputation and his legacy and you think about the year the the 12 months that he had going into that playoffs. So, he, you know, the playoffs before had already won an MVP was the best player overall for the 2015 playoffs. He didn't win finals MVP, I still think he should have. Then, you know, on the gold medal team, then oh wait, was that that was FIBA, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the FI- mm-hmm. the FIBA, FIBA gold medal team, then unanimous MVP. So, you have all that stuff on one on top of the other. Then he gets hurt twice. In the first round series, because he, he, you know, he got hurt in, ga- I think it was game one, and then he got hurt again in game four, and on, on Demo's back sweat, and that, you know, I do, I do think that robbed him, and part of what was hard about that injury, and, and you know, I, I got a lot of flack being kind of a national guy for talking about some of this stuff, but I've, I've covered Steph's entire career, and I could tell the difference was as much as he had the potential for those explosions he didn't look right last year i i don't think he's and then this year he's looked better i mean especially in the second half of the year but it was also unreasonable to expect him to reach that same level as before with any regularity because that was one of the best off seasons any or best offensive seasons anyone's ever had right. so you kind of have to balance those two things and he still has that capability for an incandescent performance and he certainly did tonight
0: yeah, and obviously having Durant there makes life so much easier. So maybe part of it, if you're kind of, if you're maybe a strictly Steph Curry fan and you were really selfish in saying, "Hey, um, you wanted him to be the one that was the main driver of this success," then yeah, Durant Durant being there and taking so much of the offensive stress and workload off of him makes this kind of boring to watch. Um, but then the, the other part is that um, who cares. Right, he, he still he's still uh, that that extra attention is going to give him more space to shoot. But, and, and to be fair, a lot of it is that the guys still double him, other teams still double him, still pressure him, regardless of the fact that Kevin Durant is still standing there on the wing. Which I think is just an enorm, it's just a ridiculous amount of respect given to the fact that hey, he's Steph Curry, but we st- or, or that's Kevin Durant standing in the corner in the wing, but we still have to double step, double Steph Curry the way. Uh, we do when Harrison Barnes was the guy that's standing there, right? Or Matt Barnes is the guy that's standing there. So that that level of respect is, is just kind of crazy to see, um, especially given the fact that um, as Marcus Thompson had written, not a lot of players like Steph Curry the way that you would think, given how great he's been in his career.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a very different kind of story for him and this team. And think back to that was a a part of the conversation that reportedly happened in the Hamptons was the idea that Durant was surprised at how open the members of a 73 win team were to adding somebody like that. And that mentality is a part of how they work. You know, they don't really care that much about who gets the shine in that particular game because they've, they can win and winning is fun. Like we we, we forget that sometimes. And Curry's talked about this a few times about how, you know, losing so much early in his career has shaped the way he thinks about it now, but they're also just competitive dudes. I mean, Draymond hasn't lost the way that Steph did and he still doesn't want to lose it all either.
0: Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're we're a team where they, can, they have the personalities that fit that way, which, which I understand from my perspective when I play basketball, though I totally understand if someone doesn't like the fact that, you know, we won without this guy. Why are, they, why are we the ones that need him in the first place, right? So I understand that perspective of what, why, why someone would feel that way. It's just that um, it kind of works out, where it's Draymond's the guy that's recruiting. Um, you know, from the outside, you would think that Draymond's the one that wouldn't, wouldn't want him or wouldn't be able to handle it. But, I mean, he was the one that was the one that was in the front recruiting him in that and getting him to come over and partying with him and all that, right, to get him over here. And then you've got Steph, who's the rare superstar that doesn't really care, or, or not doesn't really care, but is able to, to take in different personalities, kind of like a Duncan, what people would say. And then you got Clay, who... That's the guy who just kind of does his own thing regardless. I think he averaged even more points and more shots this year, despite KD being on the team. Um, So, yeah, it kind of worked out perfectly, um, not just now, but but for the future, given that it seems that KD is also buying in and maybe taking a pay cut to keep the Goodallis. But that's the topic maybe for when the season is over.
2: Yeah. So I want to end this on on a question looking a little bit forward. I'll ask it as two different things at the same time. So the Warriors are now into the second round. They're going to face either the Clippers or the Jazz. That series is now tied at 2. Who do you want to see and who should Warriors fans want to see in the next round?
0: I enjoy watching the Utah Jazz play basketball. I think they're going to give the Warriors a much much harder series given that Gobert is able to play and Gordon Hayward is able to play killing food poisoning, whatever it is. I think they'll they'll be the tough matchup. I think Warriors fans, uh, I think everybody in the Warriors organization, from the players to the coaches, to the families, to the fans, uh, want to see the Clippers. Uh, No Blake Griffin, you've got a six-hour drive down to L.A., one-hour flight down to L.A. Um, L.A. Clippers are completely mentally blocked off from playing the Warriors. That series will probably end quick. Um, I'll probably predict the sweep again. It'll go probably five tops. Um, and they just don't have the firepower or the wings. They don't have the firepower to score. They don't have the wings to defend. Um, and I, I think that you, you'd probably agree with me. It'd have to be the Clippers, right? That's who they want to face.
2: I agree with both counts of that. I think Jazz Warriors would be a more interesting series. That's the way that I kind of approach these things. I think that'd be more fun, so that's what I want. And the Clippers would be an easier series. As great as Chris Paul is, and I am such a firm believer in in his talent, they just don't have enough right now. And the Warriors know how to defend them. This is another example of just the familiarity with the team making it so much easier. And the Jazz have played the Warriors pretty well over the last couple of years when it's been full strength versus full strength. The Clippers have not. And they're gonna have plenty of motivation. The Warriors have actually not beaten the Clippers in a series. It's one of those where they've beaten them so soundly <laughs> in the regular season, but they never got that chance after losing in 2014. And I'm sure some of the some of the vets really would want that because, like, that was Igudala's first series with the Warriors. You know, they, even though Bogut was out for the whole thing, I'm sure there's still a little bit of frustration there that they didn't pull through that, and what ended up being Mark Jackson's last time with the Warriors. Oh, so
0: that, yeah, and that was for some. Uh, for myself. Um, that I wanted it to be a loss because I think a lot of a lot of us it was my first year covering the team um, a lot of us did, after watching Mark Jackson run that locker room and run that offense, did not mind a change at the head coaching position and it, it turned out great. And I, I do think that for Doc Rivers, he already has a built-in excuse. If the Warriors win, uh, the, the Clippers, Doc Rivers can say, we still haven't lost to the Warriors in the playoff season when fully healthy, <laughs> um, just like with Pen- Kendrick Perkins at Boston. So, yeah. it works out for the Clippers, I guess.
2: Yeah, it certainly does. Well, we'll, we'll have some time to look forward <laughs> to it because that series, it won't end any sooner than Friday, so... We'll have some time. Thanks so much for coming on.
0: Beautiful. Thank you, Danny.
2: Thanks again to Andy Liu for taking the time to come on. You can read him at Warriors World. You can listen to the Light Years podcast, which he does with Samus Fondiari, And you can also follow him on Twitter at Andy KH Liu. That's A-N-D-Y-K-H-L-I-U. Love having him on, love talking with him. Now I have to figure out the schedule for the rest of the week. Still have plenty of episodes, and we still won't know the Warriors opponent by Friday, so I might change things around a little bit. Still working on exactly what I want to do and everything like that, but plenty of material. And for those of you who haven't read it, I already did a podcast on this like a week ago, but I wrote a piece for The Athletic laying out one of the options for Andre Guadala in free agency, the idea basically being that he could take a smaller salary in the 2017-18 season, but then the Warriors would still have full bird rights on him so they could go as high as really their both sides are comfortable with for 18-19 and beyond. So that even if Durant wanted his maximum, they could still make something work. You can read it at The Athletic. Of course, I will have game analysis and every player up also for The Athletic at some point in the next 12 hours. And then you can also check out Dunked On. Nate Duncan and I are going to talk about it as well. So lots of material on this game on this series and looking forward to what's coming next. We still won't know for at least a few days because Clippers Jazz is going at least two more games. That means it'll be their series cuz Wednesday, Friday and then Sunday if necessary. So it'll take a little bit of time. I'm guessing they would try to have the series start on Sunday if either team can close it out on Friday and then probably Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on various other factors, if it goes seven. So lots to look forward to. And of course, there will be Locked On Warriors the whole way, so you can check that out. If you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, Danny LaRue, NBA at gmail.com, at Danny Larue on Twitter. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. And you can also support the show by leaving a rating, leaving a review, subscribing, downloading every episode. Those are deeply appreciated by me. And yeah, it'll be, it's going to be a fun little stretch of time to before then, and then we're getting into more of the real stuff. So I might do a watch guide for one of the Clippers, Clippers Jazz games. That would be pretty fun. Maybe I'll do that for Friday, for Thursday night's episode. Probably do some more interactive stuff, mailbags and things of that of that nature. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. So thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day ace is the
1: place with the helpful hardware folks
2: it's ace's biggest
1: led light bulb sale of the year right now buy one get one free on our best-selling led light bulbs our four pack of led bulbs is $9.99 and our two pack of led floodlights is only $12.99 buy one get one free There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for
2: details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young eric foul together we make sure you're never without your sharks programming will the sharks make a trade for a right winger we got you covered will eric carlson's groin hold up for the entire season we've got you covered whatever happens with team teal every day we've got you covered at locked on sharks five days a week on the locked on podcast network this is josh lloyd the host of the locked on fantasy basketball podcast the number one fantasy basketball podcast